traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. It's more money with leading economist Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist Steve Moore with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. Good afternoon, folks. It's Steve Moore here. You are listening to the More Money Show. Uh, Our ratings have been very good the last uh, couple of months, so thank you so much for tuning in. I am so appreciative of our loyal listeners. Uh, You keep the radio on after after the Cudlow Show, and um, so thank you for doing that. We're I'm privileged to do this. I say this every week, but I am privileged to be on with you. This is the single best radio station in America in terms of talk radio. If you want to find out what's happening in the world, if you want to find out what's happening in New York and the Northeast, there's no better station to listen to than WABC. So uh, thank you to John Katsimides, who is the great owner of this station, who is turning it into just a powerhouse, a powerhouse political and economic and finance powerhouse. So um, it is just, it's my honor to be with you. Thank you so much. Um, I want to start, if I may, talking about my new book, Govzilla, how the relentless growth of government is devouring our freedoms and our economy. And it is happening right before our very eyes. This past 12 months, the United States government spent six point eight four trillion dollars six point eight four trillion now just to put that in perspective when i first came to washington in 1983 around late 83 early 84 the the budget was one trillion dollars one trillion so think about that i mean think about that for a minute so we've gone in 35 years we have increased the budget sevenfold sevenfold it is it is so daunting. It is so obscene how much money Washington is spending now. And one of the points I make in the book, and I, folks, I hope you get it, not because I make good money off of this, but because I think it's so important that Americans understand how contrary this is to the whole American ideal. I go back to the forming of our country. This, by the way, this book is only 150 pages long. It has a lot of pictures and charts you can look at and you can see with your eyes. You know, a picture really is worth a thousand words. And you're going to be able to see very plainly this um, dastardly increase in government that goes on and on and on and on for most of the last 50 years and especially in the last couple of years, because what the liberals did not only did the left use COVID to change all the voting rules to make sure that a Democrat would be elected president, and I'm not saying that, the, that you know, I'm not going to get into this issue of voter fraud. I'm saying if it had been a traditional, you know, election where people have to vote on election day and you don't have all the kind of um, 
let's say, I don't know if I want to use the word fraud, but certainly hanky-panky that went on with all the mail-in voting, uh, I don't think there's any question that Donald Trump would have won the election. But not only did they, did they change the voting rules, uh, but and I hope they haven't done that permanently, because I think people should go up. I'm kind of old-fashioned, folks. I think people should show up at the voting booth to vote. That's the traditional American way for 250 years. And yes, if you have some extraordinary circumstance where you can't vote on election day, yes, absentee balloting. But this idea of just mail-in voting, I, I, I'm just not I'm not comfortable with it. I, I just don't feel like it's the best way for um, our uh, for us to to uh, elect and choose our, our leaders. But the other thing that they have done is they have taken advantage of this crisis, and they have expanded government to the tune of trillions of trillions of dollars. And folks, you saw it last week that the um, national debt, when you include the Social Security and Medicare trust funds that have been ripped off, by the way, <laughs> that's the other thing. The politicians have ripped off the Medicare and Social Security trust funds of uh, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars that was supposed to be for health care and for Social Security payments. And the debt is now $30 trillion. Now, here's my point. Now COVID is over. This latest wave is over, folks. Get rid of the masks, get rid of the mandates, get rid of the vaccination cards, get all rid of all that stuff because COVID is behind us. The Omicron um, variant is in very, very rapid retreat. There is no reason we should have anything closed down. Mask mandates, no, it's up to the individual. It's up to the individual. If you wanna wear a mask, have at it. I have no problem with that. And, and uh, you know, fine. You know, if you want to have your kids in masks, fine. Uh, if you want to go to stores that require masks, fine. But the idea that the government's going to mandate this stuff, no, no, that's that's wrong. That is simply wrong. And it is time to get back to normal. That means let's get the budget back down to where it was before COVID, you know, closer to $4 trillion, not 6 to $7 trillion. Let's start taking a chainsaw to this budget and getting the bills paid. This idea that we can continue to borrow $2 trillion a year, year after year, is a road to national ruin. And I'm here to tell you, folks, I am an historian as well as an economist. Every great, virtually, not every, but virtually every great empire throughout the history of the world was ruined by debt and overspending by government, by the politicians. Um, it happened, look at look what happened in, to Britain after World War II. You know, Britain had been the world superpower. They were the, you know, republic that had, that had uh, uh, colonies all over the world. And they went to socialism after World War II and their economy went into ruins. And it wasn't until 30 years later when, uh, when uh, Margaret Thatcher came along and rediscovered the uh, benefits of freedom and free enterprise that, that uh, the UK made their comeback. I don't want to go down that route. I just do not want to be uh, see the United States go down the route of, of Argentina, Venezuela, Cuba, Zimbabwe, Greece, all these other countries that have tried to spend and spend and spend. And here's the thing. I'm going to, people say, oh, we can't cut spending. We, you're going to want to cut all these vital programs. Wait a minute. Let me give you a few examples of what's gone on in the last few years. The unemployment benefit program. You know how much money was stolen from that, folks? You're in my money. You're in my, you, we're taxpayers. 
We paid into the system, and $150 billion was stolen from the unemployment benefit. I didn't say $150 million. I said $150 billion, with a B, was stolen from that one single program. Incidentally, a lot of the people didn't even live in the United States that ripped off the system. There were people living in South Africa and uh, the Congo and, uh, you know, Argentina and Mexico. And, and so the money didn't even flow here. It went to these other countries and nobody audited the program to make sure that fraud wouldn't be prevalent, which it was. Then you've got the Medicaid program, which we vastly expanded. Wall Street Journal reports, 100 to $200 billion was stolen from that program. Then there was the PPP program. Remember the, the program that gave money to um, all these businesses? Now, we may have different opinions about whether that program worked. I think it should have been a loan program, not a giveaway program. But in any case, again, hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars of that program were fraudulent payments to businesses that did not qualify. And nobody in Washington does anything about it. Ho-hum. They yawn and they say, just another day. Cost of doing business. Cost of doing business. The fraud rate in these government programs, folks, is five to ten times higher than the fraud rate in a private insurance program or a credit card company. Why do we tolerate this? Why do we let these people get away with stealing our money? I mean, it is, it is thievery what is going on when we allow, and nobody does a damn thing about it. You can tell I'm angry because this is your and my money. And then they say we have to raise taxes. No, we don't. We don't have to raise taxes. Just get rid of the fraud and abuse and waste. Uh, I, I've been telling you know people, uh, I, I met with Donald Trump uh, a few weeks ago. I, I love Donald Trump. I worked for him. Uh, and I just said, look, if you get reelected, uh, and I think there's a good chance he will be president in 2025. Who knows where the, what the future holds? But if he is, I said, we've got to start auditing every agency. We have to have a commission to look at every single government program and find out how they're spending the money. Because, folks, they are not spending the money wisely. My new book, Dubzilla, uh, 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 really gets into this. And I want it in schools. I want kids to read it. Uh, one last point. Speaking of uh, schools and kids, we need to um, realize that the people who are the greatest victims of all of these government programs and this massive debt, it's not me. It's not, if you're over the age of 50, as I am, we're not going to pay for this. We'll be dead. <laughs> the people who are going to pay for this are children and grandchildren. It is, it is generational warfare that we're declaring on our young people. So uh, let's return to the free enterprise system. Freedom and free enterprise are the geese that lay the golden eggs. Um, I will be right back. We're going to hear from our weekly report from, uh, from uh, the pains. And then uh, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to hear from David Banson, who is one of the great economists, has an incredibly great book out called, uh, called There's No Free Lunch. And it is a great, great book that you have to get that one, too. But first, let's get an update from the pains on what's going on with our financial markets. And we will be back in 60 seconds. W-A-B-C. Hey, it's Ryan Payne and Bob Payne from Payne Capital Management. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E here on More Money talking about the economy, markets, financial planning. Bob, man, oh, man, we had inflation come in red hot, 7.5%. That's the best, I want to say best number, the highest number 
since 1982. Man, oh, man, what do you make of it, Bob? I mean, is this going to be the 70s all over again? I don't know, right? Uh, actually, maybe the 80s all over again because it's the highest number since 1982. But uh, I remember in August of 1982 where the market was down, inflation was high, interest rates were rising. It was actually the beginning of the greatest bull market in history. So hopefully history repeats this time. Yeah, and the other thing that was the same was your haircut. Amazing. <laughs> so, <laughs> as long as I have my hair, haircut. I don't care what happens, right? <laughs> well, that's a good point because, you know, I've done a couple of the financial shows this week, like on Fox Business, CNBC. And the one thing I've noticed is, is every economist, every strategist out there is so negative right now. You know, you're hearing the word recession. You're hearing the fact that inflation is really just going to essentially slow the economy to the point that we're going to have no growth. And the Fed here is just going to have to raise interest rates like seven times this year. But Bob, you and I, we're optimists, and we try to look at you know the most common sense view we can. We're not seeing the same thing right now. No, you really don't. And you know it's hard to predict what's unpredictable. It's hard to know what's unknowable, uh, first of all. And secondly, when you look at inflation, inflation is something that will actually take care of itself because the biggest cure for high prices is actually high prices, right? If things get more costly, people are going to spend less. And at this point, costs are going up really fast. Well, and that's the funny thing, right? You don't hear this in the media, but actually, inflation is actually going to come down this year. Now, it still may be higher than what we've had for the last couple years. Uh, but if you look at where we are right now, it's 7.5% inflation. You know, a lot of economists are saying that's going to come down to maybe 5%, 4% by the end of the year. And on top of that, we had these numbers come out last week. Wages are going up big time right now, and consumers are still sitting on a trillion dollars that they can spend because of all the stimulus that the government has bestowed upon the economy. These are not, this is not a bad combination, Bob. Now, it's kind of like the, um, the times that I grew up in, Rye. I grew up in an inflationary period. The last 40 years have been deflationary. So the education I received as a five-year-old was you better buy it today because it's going to cost more tomorrow. And I think what you're going to see is the economy is going to start to boom because they're going to say, hey, I'm going to book that trip now because it's going to cost more. I'm going to book that airline because it's going to cost more. I'm going to get that vacation set up right now because it's going to cost more. You see the same thing happen with cars. People are paying $20,000 over the retail price. I've never seen anything like it in my life. It's unbelievable. You can buy a car today. You can sell it later at a higher price than where you got it on the lot. Like That never happens. Well, the other never. interesting... you know. <laughs> you know, the, the, the other big news right now is if you start looking at cases of the coronavirus, and some states they are down about 50%. In New York, it's down 75%. So you're getting to a point now where people are getting very, very confident about leaving their homes, going out, living life again, booking trips. You know, if you look at some of the polls out there, you know, people are looking to spend as much money, if not more money, than they did in 2019 over the summer. So we could just see a huge economic boom this summer where everybody's out and about they want to spend money. They want to go on trips. And that's just so good for the economy. And nobody's talking about that right now, Bob. Well, I tell you what, Ryan, I'm going to need my portfolio to go up if that's true. If, if consumers are going to spend more than they've ever spent, well, with your mom, I'm in big trouble. So I better, uh, I better hope that the economy continues to boom and the stock market follows suit. Yeah. Well, Bob, the moral story is you can't retire. I'm sorry. You got you to keep working at our firm. I know. It's hard. It's hard. The other interesting piece that came out last week uh, that we didn't get a chance to talk about is productivity gains. You know, we, we've seen inflation go up a lot. And if you're a company right now, your wages are going up for your employees. And it's hard to find employees because we have a labor shortage. 
But what's happening is, is necessity is the mother of invention. What you're seeing is companies are investing in automation, technology. You know, we have this labor shortage with truck drivers right now. At some point, we'll probably have autonomous driving. So companies are getting very, very efficient with the way that they run their companies and using technology to do that. And what you're starting to see is an actual productivity boom to offset the fact that, you know, wages are going up and we can't find workers. This is actually going to be another plus for the economy moving forward. And that's what we've been talking about for the last two years. It's like you just can't sit with the same strategy that got you to the dance, right? Things have changed. Long duration assets are suffering. Bond funds are down big today, right? Long duration equities like ARC funds and cryptocurrencies and things of that nature are dropping. Things that are able to increase their prices and pass those prices on, those types of companies are actually raising their dividend. They're buying back stock. Some of these stocks are hitting new highs right now. Well, that's right, because, you know, the market, the stock market and the economy are not the same thing. But what we see is if the economy is getting stronger and the stock market basically is looking to the future, well, that's also going to be good for a portfolio that's invested in what you would call inflation hedges and any company that can raise their, their prices, right? We're looking at commodity prices have gone through the roof, oil prices, $90 a barrel in oil. It's just unbelievable. But you have to position yourself correctly, especially if you're in that retirement red zone, if you're five years out from retirement, you're retired now, like a lot of our clients that are baby boomers, all we're thinking about is, is you've got to generate income on your money. Because again, if inflation comes in at seven and a half percent, every dollar you've had in cash for the last 12 months just lost seven and a half percent in purchasing power. That's a lot of money. That's taking you further and further away from your goals. That's crazy. And that's why it's so hard for people to accomplish their goals, right? Because this is kind of fear, these headlines that force you to procrastinate, to you know, kind of get this deer in the headlights strategy where I'm going to sit in cash and wait and see what happens. Well, meanwhile, inflation's going up, purchasing power is going up, the power of your dollar is going down. So your dollar is depreciating, your portfolio in cash is depreciating, and you're putting yourself farther and further behind the ball if you're not invested in to, to compensate for this higher inflation. Inflation is hidden, it's insidious, but it's real. And it's seven and a half percent right now. And if you're getting a zero percent return on your cash, that means you're behind seven and a half percent, you know, month over month. And that's a mentality you might have right now. And I'm hearing this all the time. It's like, oh, I don't like what's going on in the economy. Inflation's just gonna derail the economy. I've got to sit in cash. And that's the wrong mentality. If you think inflation's real and it's gonna continue, and think we all do at this point, the worst place to be is to sit in cash. Historically, you look at over every economic period where we had high inflation, sitting cash was the worst place to be. And we know that a portfolio that pays income, that generates income, is probably the best place to be. And history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. It's probably going to be the best place to be again here as we go into this new period, this new era of higher inflation that we haven't seen in a very, very long time. You know, Rye, we can see it in what we call the sentiment numbers, right? Week after week, they, you know, ask investors how you feel about, you know, the future. And I'll tell you what, the bearishness is so thick, you can cut it with a knife right now. <laughs> you know, for the last two years, all we had were these high bullish readings. Now, where the opportunities are the greatest, right, where you're getting volatility, where there's opportunity to invest your money, you know, for future return, you know, people are getting more fearful. They're getting more bearish. It's one of the bearish, most bearish readings I've ever seen. And historically, that's the best time to buy. Bob, I shouldn't say this, but nothing warms my heart more than bearish or negative sentiment, right? It's uh, as Warren Buffett once said, be greedy when others are fearful. And the fear factor right now is extremely high. And as we like to say, no pain, no gain, because our last name is pain. That's P-A-Y-N-E, of course. 
And that's exactly right. That's why you don't want to sit and wait, wondering what's going to happen. If you're thinking to yourself right now, like, I need to figure this out. I realize inflation is real. I don't understand what's happening in the economy, but I know that I've got to get my portfolio in line so I can live off my assets and be comfortably retired. Well, here's your shot to do it. We have 10 slots. Every weekend we do this on more money. If you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, if you call or text right now, Bob and I will run for you our total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. We will look at everything for you. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We're literally going to build for you your own financial portal. We're going to look at every investment you own, and we're going to hone in on every single financial issue that you have and correct those issues. We're going to look at income. You have to have an income plan for retirement. Inflation was 7.5%. How do you account for that? We're going to show you exactly how you should pull your social security, how you need to pull from your portfolio and account for inflation so you have an income stream that you don't run out of over the rest of your life. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high tax, tax inefficient products that put more money in their pocket, everything from annuities, insurance products, mutual funds. We're going to show you how to reduce that cost, make your portfolio extremely tax efficient, and we're going to show you exactly how to invest your money. Are you taking way too much risk, too much money in tech that just got hammered? Or are you just sitting with way too much money in cash, earning nothing, trying to figure out what to do, paralysis by analysis? If you give us a call or text right now, we'll put together that full plan to show you how to grow your money, but protect it over time. But you have to call or text right now if you have over $750,000 saved for retirement. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. NYC. If you are one of our next 10 callers, you've saved over 750000 for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own unique total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation and there's no cost, but there won't be a plan if you don't text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844 844- P-L-A-N-N-Y-C. So, Bob, you know, considering that you and I are from Philadelphia, you know, I've always admired the great Philadelphian Benjamin Franklin, you know, as a true visionary inventor, a thinker, you know, really ahead of his time. And he had so many great insights into human nature and how the world works. So I thought we could discuss some of his more famous sayings and how we can relate them to building your financial independence plan. Hey, Ryan, I couldn't agree more. Ben Franklin, one of the greatest entrepreneurs, greatest thinkers, ever to come out of Philadelphia, other than you and I, of course. Um, and one of my <laughs> favorite expressions that I have. I like your confidence. Thank you, sir. One of the best expressions I've ever heard from Ben Franklin was an investment in knowledge pays the best interest. And I couldn't agree with that more. I mean, I, I say it a different way. I say when you have investments in anything, whether it's real estate or commodities or stocks or bonds, you have to know what you own and you have to know why you own it, right? Yes. I mean, Wall Street is just like infamous for creating very complicated products that you don't understand. You know, you probably have a collection of investments from different brokers that you work with, and you probably have no idea what you really own and why you own it. And the one thing we've learned, you know, in I'd say the collective 45 years or so, Bob, you and I have been managing money uh, with a billion dollars or so at our firm paying capital management is simplicity over complexity. And there's just so many complex strategies on Wall Street that just end up not working out. Yeah, I just saw the SEC the other day 
is thinking about making private equity firms and hedge funds actually reveal what their costs are, be transparent in whether they're making money or losing money. I mean, I don't know who invests in these things, right? But you've got to be out of your mind to trust people on Wall Street. Um, so what you want to do is make sure you understand the investments you have, the costs that are involved, and more importantly, are they the engines of return that will get you to your goals? And that's where planning comes in. You've got to have a comprehensive plan to make sure that you're going to get the returns you need and you're not taking any more risks than necessary. Yes. And what we found is if it's simpler, typically you have higher odds of success. So if you think about your portfolio and you don't understand your portfolio, it feels complex. The odds are you're going to have a harder time getting to your goals. You know, another Absolutely. saying that I, I say, another saying that I love from Ben Franklin is a penny saved is a penny earned. Well, I kind of find that ironic. Of course, you know, investing is ironic, right? It's full of irony. But, you know, it costs the government more to actually create a penny today than it is worth. So it's, uh, you know, you got to save more than a penny. I think it's got to be more like nickels and dimes now. I think we have to change that Inflation expression. adjusted, Bob. Inflation adjusted. Give <laughs> this, this guy a break. He said this in the 1700s. <laughs> That's a good point. That's a good point. But, you know what? It really comes down to you want to have a successful investment strategy. Make sure that you pay yourself first. We've heard that expression time after time. Now, you may be long in a tooth, something Ben Franklin would have said, like your dad, you know, gray hair, scar tissue on the stomach lining, where, you know, I'm kind of past where the, the savings is going to have a huge impact, where you really want to focus on your children, your grandchildren, making sure that they're making those contributions to their 401ks, that they're making those contributions to the 529 plans for your children's and grandchildren's yeah. education. But the other, the other side of this too, though, is, and I, I worked with a client the other day, is you know, maybe you're trying to figure out the date when you can be financially independent or you actually retire. And I have a client, he hates his job. He wants out. You know, he's 63 years old. And the problem is he needs to work another year or two because every year he works is a year he's not pulling from his portfolio that his money compounds further and further. So the difference between him retiring today at 63 and 65 has a huge impact when he gets into his 80s, late 80s, and almost age 90. So you, what you have to really look at is, is it worth it for me to work another year or two? Is compounding my money for that extra year or two going to have a huge impact later? And a lot of times it does. So it's really critical to pick the right time when you actually start drawing from your portfolio. So what you're saying is Franklin actually should have said a penny not spent is a penny earned. Is that what you're telling me now? Bob, don't rewrite history. I think you said it perfectly <laughs> right the first time. Another one that I like, because it fits right into our name here, is there are no gains without pains. It's P-A-I-N, Bob, but I think he was talking about us, meaning like if you had us advising you on your money, you know you're going to get those gains. But the reality of it is you can't just sit in cash where you earn nothing and hope to beat out inflation and hope to be able to get to retirement. You know, you're going to have to have some risk in your portfolio. Well, Ry, I think uh, we all as investors got a big wake-up call in January, especially when our January statements were published. Everybody was down, right? Bonds went down, stocks went down. Only a few things like energy or commodities went up last month. And it's always my favorite uh, phone call when a client calls me and says, you know, Bob, I don't understand. I know the market's down, but why is my account down? Um, so <laughs> I think, you know, what we have to recognize is that if you don't have volatility, both upside and downside volatility, there's no opportunity, right? And, and the opportunity you get in the equity market, if we call the, you know, the risk premium, is that volatility is going to reward you if you're patient and you're disciplined, uh, but it does well, come with pain. Yeah. 
Well, the question is, it's not about, it's about the right amount of volatility, right? What you have to look at is, do you have the right amount of growth in your portfolio to get through retirement? Do you have the right amount of safety in your portfolio? And that's going to be different from you, from your cousin, your brothers, your sisters. Everyone has a different plan that they need to be on, depending on what your needs are. So, you know, you don't want to have everything. It should never be an all or none proposition. You can't have everything at risk. We saw what happened in January. And on the other side, you can't be, have everything sitting in cash or in safety because you need that growth component in your portfolio. So what you need to do is you've got to reverse engineer, find out what you're going to need to spend in retirement, what inflation looks like. Then we can go back to the drawing board and figure out, okay, this is where you have to be between risk and non-risk assets, but let your goals drive that decision. Well, you know, Rod, when you're in a big booming bull market in both stocks and bonds, you really don't have to pay attention. Now's the time you need to pay attention, right? We haven't had inflation in 40 years. Now we have inflation that's as high as it was 40 years ago. Uh, you've got to wake up and take a look at what's happening. So like you said, you don't, it's not about having stuff in your portfolio. I think you said it right. It's about having the right stuff, the right amount. Yeah, which goes to my next and maybe favorite Ben Franklin quote is by by failing to prepare, you are preparing to fail. And, you know, I always hear the statistic and I think it's true. We spend more time planning our vacation than we do our financial life, Bob, which is crazy. Well, first of all, when you have when you really get down to some serious planning, it's about talking about your own mortality. I mean, it's real simple when your child is born and you need to put money away for education and a 529 plan or something of that nature. You know exactly what the costs are going to be or you have an idea, but you know that that cost is going to be something you have to recognize within, you know, 18 years. When you're planning for your retirement, you're planning for your life. It's like, you know, who wants this party to end, right? Right. You don't want to, you know, nobody likes to talk about their own mortality or no one wants to talk about their budget, especially. Right. So it's, you know, it's not so much we fail to plan. It's like we procrastinate the planning process. We do. But again, we've talked about this a lot on the show. It's just, it just brings so much clarity and takes so much stress out of the equation once you know, right? Because once you know, okay, this is what I'm going to need income wise. Once we can decide this is what inflation is going to look like over the next 10, 20 years. And then we look at, okay, this is when you should take social security. This is how we're going to generate income on your portfolio. And you can see that. You can see that in black and white. It just takes so much stress out of the equation. And you know, it's the planning process is not as bad as you think. It's not chewing glass. But I always say this is why we have a couch in our office because it feels like more of a therapy session, financial therapy session. But you know, what that does is it brings that clarity. It brings peace of mind. Whereas you get a lot of consternation, you feel nervous when you don't know. It does pay to know, no pun intended. Well, here's the thing. There are risks involved in investing, as you just mentioned. And it's really the risk you don't know about that you don't want to find out about before it's too late. Now, if you've been listening to us on this show for the last couple of years, you've heard us warn you about bond funds. Well, the first shoe has dropped, right? You've seen the leveraged bond funds drop 16 to 20%. We had a new client come in last week said, why is this thing down 16%? It's because they're using leverage, they're in bond funds, and now that's a risk that that investor didn't understand. So you don't, you want to make sure that you understand the risk you have, and you're not taking any more risk than necessary. That's where that plan comes into yeah. place, why it's so critical right now. Times are changing. And do it when the, yes, and do it when the wind's at your back, because once the, the music stopped, it's too late. That's why proactive planning is the best planning. So if you're thinking to yourself right now, like this is the kind of review I need. I need to get on top of my finances. We literally have six slots left. If you give us a call or text right now and you have over $750,000 saved for retirement, 
Bob and I will run for your total financial master plan. We'll do that with no obligation or cost. It's a full holistic review. There's no other firm out there that will do this work up front. We will go through every holding you have. We're going to build you your own personalized financial portal, give you a bird's eye view of your entire net worth, and we're going to hone in on every single financial issue that you have, and we're going to address it, and we're going to fix it. We're going to look at income. Income is the most critical part of your financial plan. How are you going to live off your portfolio when that paycheck stops? How are you going to take Social Security? How are you going to account for the fact that your cost of living is going to be double over the next 20 years? We're going to put together a full game plan so you have an income plan so you don't run out of money. We're going to look at fees and taxes. Wall Street loves to sell you high-cost, tax-inefficient products that puts money in their pocket. We go through every single investment you own, show where all the hidden costs are, show you where all the tax inefficiencies are, and fix them in those annuities, insurance products, brokerage products, mutual funds to put together a better low-cost, highly tax-efficient portfolio. And we're going to look at diversification. Did you get hit hard when the market sold off back in January? Do you have concentrated risk in your portfolio you don't know about? Bond funds. Or are you just sitting in cash, paralysis by analysis, can't figure out what to do? We're going to put together a full investment game plan, show you how to grow your money, but most importantly, protect it over the rest of your life, show you how to get from point A to point B with the least amount of risk and the highest odds of success. All you have to do is text or call 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you're one of our next seven callers, you've saved over $750,000 for your retirement. Our team of financial advisors and certified financial planners will create for you your own total financial master plan. Now, there's no obligation and there's no cost, but there's no plan if you don't text or call right now, 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692, or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. If you like our content today and you want to get more in-depth content for Bob and I, check out our podcast, Pain Points of Wealth. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E. Go to bbullish.com. That's bbush.com. We literally have one of the fastest growing financial podcasts in the country. My brother, Chris Payne's involved too. Three pains in a pod. Doesn't get better than that. Check it out at bbush.com. That's bbush.com. Stay right there. We got more, more money coming your way. It's more money with leading economist, Steve Moore. Stephen Moore is with us, economist. With more than 30 years experience as an economist and as a leading thinker of government on business, showing deep understanding of the shifts in the global economy. He's leading economist, Steve Moore, with more money on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Now, here's your host, Steve Moore. This is Bob Payne, Chief Investment Strategist here with Payne Capital Management with this week's market update. This week on the Street of Dreams, inflation continued its pandemic-era rise with the CPI, the Consumer Price Index, rising six-tenths of 1% in January and now stands at 7.5% year-over-year for the fastest rise since 1982, well above the 7.3% economists were expecting. Now, the news sent bond yields higher and the prices of bonds and stocks lower. Markets are now pricing an 83% probability of a 50 basis points, that's a half a 1% hike in the Fed funds rate in March. The previous consensus was a hike of only 25 basis points. Now, initially, the market's reaction was muted. It actually traded higher earlier Thursday morning. 
but the sell-off was sparked by comments from James Bullard, the president of the Federal Reserve Bank of St. Louis, who indicated that he would support raising rates by a full 1% by July and the possibility of emergency moves by the Fed in between meetings. Bullard's comments suggest that he does not believe inflation is about to abate, nor did he inspire confidence that the Federal Reserve has inflation under control. Now, keep in mind, the markets can handle rising interest rates if it's for the right reasons and if they're slow, methodical, steady, and measured. Unfortunately, Bullard's comments led investors to believe the actions of the Fed going forward will be fast, illogical, and haphazard. Now, investors fear that higher interest rates will lessen economic demand and reduce earnings growth. But the real concern should be valuations. So I have warned repeatedly on this commentary, rising interest rates do the most harm to long-duration assets like long-dated bond funds and long-duration equities like venture capital, cryptocurrencies, tech stocks focused on disruption and innovation. See, to me, it's only common sense. The long-duration assets that have outperformed while rates fell for the last 40 years, will underperform as rates rise. As I stated earlier, the markets can handle higher interest rates if it's for the right reason. Your portfolio can do the same if you have the portfolio of the next 10 years and not the long duration portfolio of the last 10 years. Hey, my son Ryan and I have 68 years of combined industry experience in building low cost, tax efficient, goal-based portfolios. For your free evaluation, all you need to do is text or call. 844-752-6692. That's 844-752-6692. Or just simply call 844-PLAN-NYC. That's 844-PLAN-NYC. Hey, this is Bob Payne. I'm the Chief Investment Strategist here at Payne Capital Management. This is More Money with economist Steve Moore. Now, Steve Moore. Welcome back, folks. This is Steve Moore. You're listening to the More Money Show. Uh, thanks so much for listening. I want to turn immediately to uh, my guest this week, David Benson, who is one of the top financial advisors in the United States of America. He has a great new book out that I'm about halfway done reading now, which is uh, There's No Free Lunch. And it is such a great primer on how our economy works that this is the perfect time to bring bring uh, David. Uh, David, thanks so much for joining me this afternoon. Hey, good to be with you, Steve. So let's get right down to it. Um, the um, inflation rate, obviously, is the number one economic issue right now. We saw the numbers that came out, um, I think, on Wednesday or Thursday, showing uh, 7.5%. By the way, we think if they had made some diff- different calculations, it might even been over 8%. So these are god-awful numbers, and uh, if you were the president's advisor or you were the head of the Federal Reserve Board, which would be great (laughs) if you were either one of those, what would you be advising? How do we bring this inflation down without crashing the economy? Well, first of all, only one of us was ever actually seriously considered for the Federal Reserve Board, and it wasn't me. But I, I do think I do think. By the way, let me just say um, something, David. You know, if I were on the Federal Reserve Board right now, I would be raising holy hell. And now I understand why they didn't want me on because I'm just. I think they should have been raising rates, you know, a year ago. But go ahead. (laughs) Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, and I and I agree, and I actually agree though for a different reason than many on the right are saying right now. I think if they 
raise the rate 100 basis points at the next meeting, which obviously we both know they're never going to do. But even if they did, it's not going to get the ships back into the ports in Long Beach, California. It's not going to get truck drivers back to work. It's not going to undo the damage of these insane government supplements for unemployment that mm-hmm. helped build up a labor shortage last year that we're still getting out from under. So I think that unfortunately, when you do stay too low, too long, it isn't just the inflationary impact, it's the overall distortions in the marketplace. And I believe that what we're dealing with right now with unnecessary quantitative easing that went on too long and a way overdone stay at the zero bound interest rate is that we have just totally spoiled capital markets and it's going to be very difficult for them to work off of this. So what do they do? Well, I, I, here's what I predict they will do. I think they're going to no, raise no, rates on. three times, not four, five, six, or seven. Your, you know, Bank I, of America I, saying seven times, yeah. and I just think it's comical. I think that they'll yeah. talk tough and talk hawkish, and then by the middle of the summer, I think you'll see the inflation rate coming down. It'll still be elevated. It'll still be high, but they'll right. use the the modest amount of disinflation from these very high levels, assuming we get some relief in supply chain and semiconductors and truck drivers, yeah. and they'll use that as cover to then stop tightening because they can't get the balance sheet down and raise rates to where they want to be at the same time. So I think they'll kind of thread the needle and talk tough, but ultimately I don't think they will let what happened in late 2018 happen again. They're too afraid of what will happen to credit markets. So the, uh, you, but you do think we're going to get a tamer inflation rate by the summer. I do, but I don't think that that's the monetary side. I think it's just gravity. Um, You do have energy prices that are way too high, and the Biden administration, not the Fed, can help there. You have food prices that are too high. I don't know who can help with that. But then you have these car sales, which is the real big contributor, used car, used truck, and new car. Over 25% year-over-year inflation in all three categories that part has to come down. And if I'm being overly optimistic, then I'll have to eat my words. But I just have to think that starts to put downward pressure on the overall CPI number. But remember, they say they want a 2% CPI. I think you're going to see these guys taking a victory lap if they get a 3.5% CPI. Right. Absolutely. So you, you and I aren't going to feel 3.5%, but many, well, many right tens of millions of Americans will. But unfortunately, yeah. this is where I think we are. Well, given where we are right now, I'd be doing um, cartwheels if we could get down to 3.5% inflation. But I, I agree. I think 2% is about the right inflation target for the Fed, and obviously they're nowhere near it. Why do you think it is, David, that they were so long for so long? I mean, you know, first they said there was no inflation. A year ago they said there's no inflation. Then they said it was temporary. Then they said, don't worry, it's capped out. And, you know, it just keeps steamrolling forward. And these guys are supposed to be the best economists, smartest guys we've got, and they made one blunder after another. Yeah, I guess I would say, Steve, that the problem was not them being wrong about whether or not this inflation was real. 
but it's the fact that we ever look to them to begin with to be right. arbiters right. of all things in the business cycle. And that's where I think people like you and Judy Shelton and even myself from the vantage point of being a capital allocator, right. yeah. we disagree with the basic premise that the Fed should be omniscient. So I don't blame them for being wrong. I blame them for the fact that the world is expecting them to know yeah. these things and that, they, and that they portray themselves as omniscient. I think that's the real fatal conceit, to borrow from Peter Kayak. Well said. I want to talk about your book, but before I, we do, I just wanted to ask you quickly about this market. Um, you know, I've been really uh, kind of parked outside the market for the last year, and it keeps going up and up and up, although the last, you know, six weeks or so have been pretty much a roller coaster. I mean, what it, what are you telling investors at this point about stocks? And, you know, people are afraid right now. Yeah, and it's not just what I'm telling people. This is one area where I get to actually say that I have skin in the game because we run right. $3.5 billion of real dollars for real people. And what, it's not just what we're saying. It's what we're doing. We are up in our equity portfolio 2% on the year with the S&P and NASDAQ down somewhere around 10%. And the reason is that we believe the growth story and the high PE story and the speculative shiny object story is over. And yet energy is doing very well and value right. is doing very well. And so it's not a risk off stock market crash. It's a rotation and well-valued things. You see some of the consumer staples acting okay. You see financials acting okay. So we're not of the mindset that people need to run, but index investors are getting hit and these big tech things that we've relied on in the market, they're getting hit. And I think that story's over. I don't think this is done at the end of this quarter. Uh, you know, what are people going to be happy if the valuation of an 80 times earnings gets down to 60 times? I mean, they're still overpriced. So yeah. I think we're look, living through a rotation into more reasonable value, boring stocks. And that means that we're not going to see the big returns we've seen. And is that right? Or? No, and, that, and that's right. You can't because the math is just such that once you get priced to perfection, you can keep outperforming. The market's uh, earnings growth last year outperformed everyone's right. expectations. Sure. But you brought a lot of demand into the, for, into the present, and then that means a little, little less into the future. And so I think you're going to have high single-digit returns if you're lucky. And so definitely investors have to um, moderate their return, their expectations. And yet I would still say that's going to be better than they get in the bond market. That's better than they're going to get in cash. Yep. And so yep. um, it all depends on people's timeline and their own goals. But uh, yep. this is a great period of time for those who actually are, are buying high quality instead of just speculating on the shiny objects. So you're uh... – your book, um, I, as I said, I'm about halfway done with it. I just love it. It's these wonderful vignettes um, from some of the great economists and business leaders uh, and philosophers uh, over time. And um, tell me about uh, why, you know, what kind of inspired you to do this? It is a, it is, a, it's, well, I'm talking about the book called um, There's No Free Lunch. I'm talking to David Vanson, but go ahead, David. Why, what, what inspired you to do it? Well, I really believe that we're facing an unprecedented attack on that which has given America its prosperity, right. and not just America, but really, you know, in the uh, last 500 years of what's moved um, so much economic growth, there's this greater appreciation 
uh, in classical economics for free exchange, for uh, the profit motive, for incentive-based economics that's rooted in an understanding of human action, of human uh-huh. acting rationally and creatively. And I don't believe those of us on the right who defend it only based on numbers or based on efficiency are going to win the battle. I don't think young college students like AOC because she is claiming socialism does better. I think it's because she's making a more emotional and philosophical argument, and she should be losing that one too. And so I wanted an economics book more rooted in the foundational issues that really gave birth to classical economics, gave birth to Austrian economics, gave birth to the supply side school that you and I subscribe to. And I want it rooted in an understanding of the way the world works. And that's really um, what we're going to need to win this battle. And I think that the book is meant to be just a primer of kind of restoring those first foundational principles about economics. And it's so it's so discouraging how many of these first principles are being violated day after day, week after week, month after month. Uh, by the way, the book is called There's No Free Lunch. David Benson is the author. I'd really recommend it. It's an easy read, too. It's a fun read. It's a, When you say an economics book, people run for the exits, right? But this is a book really about, uh, you know, life and, and great uh, pearls of wisdom. And we've only got about two minutes left, David, but give, give us a couple of your favorite sort of pearls of wisdom about the free enterprise system. Well, I, I think that one of the things we have to get, uh, you know, back to is Friedrich Hayek's idea of what we call the knowledge problem. Just this belief that there's this all-knowledgeable entity out there that can make decisions about social order, about government, about the economy. Isn't that really what this comes down to? We believe that President Biden can kind of fix uh, all the things that we don't like in, in social issues, and we think that Jay Powell can fix everything that we don't like in the business cycle. I have taught us it isn't true. Spontaneous order, uh, the realities of human beings making daily decisions, that's what drives an efficient economy. We need a more humble economics. Absolutely. Well, David, you know, that's true, and it's also true, as Milton Friedman taught us, there ain't no such thing as a free lunch. That's David Batson. Get his book, uh, folks. uh, No, There's no free lunch, and thanks so much for joining us. Stop. ED is no laughing matter. This could be caused from low T, high blood pressure, or diabetes. Elevate Wellness can help. 40% of men over 40 have experienced this. Make the call to Elevate Wellness now. 973-354-2276. 973-354-2276. The office visit is only $99 and includes exam, blood work, test dose, and consultation. Call Elevate Wellness. 973-354-2276. Or Elevate Wellness Group dot com.